Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome. It's Sunday night, and uh, we still gather at least in this fashion on Sunday night. We're working through Romans, the letter that changed the world. And of course, now we're gearing up, as you heard this morning, for our World Impact Sunday on November the 15th and some some big projects. Uh, not many churches are bothering with this, but we just felt like it was something we didn't want to lose sight of. So we've got a big project, a Bible school in India that we're going to be involved in planting and, and helping out Adrian and Sharon Thomas, some of the final phases of the building that the ministry center that they're building in the Dominican Republic. We're going to try and have Adrian and Sharon kind of brought in live for our, uh, our World Impact Sunday, at least live in terms of a Zoom feed. And if uh, their internet's not very good, so it might be kind of sketchy, we might have to record something, but they'll be with us on November the 15th. And so I'm kind of tying this all together in our Roman study. The title is Following Our Lord, Not Only to the Unsaved, But to the Unreached. And I want to look at, I want to look at three principles missions principles that uh, I think any healthy New Testament church has to have at the core of their existence. Now, here's my hesitation. The text is kind of long, but I want to I wanna read it right through, and I hope you'll follow along with me. The first two-thirds are the text we studied last Sunday night, but I want to read them again because they tie into some of the points I want to make. So get a Bible, Romans 15, and we're going to read verses 7 all the way to 24. Romans 15, 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised Jews to show God's truthfulness, the covenant with Abraham, in order to confirm the promise given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. And then he goes into these Old Testament quotes, middle of verse 9. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Here's another one, 10. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. One more, verse 12, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. And Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with knowledge, able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. That's the whole strong, weak brother thing and, and the way they need to relate to each other, Romans 14 and 15. Because I've, I've been pretty bold reminding you of those things. Because of the grace given to me by God, 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in a priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now look what he says. We're getting into it now, 17. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. 
Interesting. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. It doesn't just say faith, but obedience by word and deed. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, cover the same territory. But as it is written, quote, those who have never been told of him will see. Those who have never heard will understand. 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer, I no longer have any room for work in these regions. Wow. And since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. It's a great text. There, there's a very specific kind of missionary endeavor that's described in these verses. So we're getting ready for World Impact Sunday. When you come right down to it, Pretty well everybody believes in missions. It's kind of like mother and apple pie. Every church, I think, every church feels reaching the lost. At least every true New Testament church. Reaching the lost is important. And in a sense, I get it, every dime spent, unless it's just foolishly wasted, every dime spent in doing any kind of ministry is some kind of uh, missionary endeavor. It's just, it's just a fact. I'm, I'm not, you know, it's not my job to police things and, and I'm not trying to be negative, but it is true that we have many churches in our own denomination who give almost nothing to our fellowship's global missionary outreach. And, and one of the reasons is they'll say, well, they're already giving to missions when they spend their funds uh, on outreaches and ministries of their local church. It's kind of true, but it's not quite true. And that's the central call, I think, of this great text. There's, there's something deeper being dealt with in this passage than the ministries of any one local church. Paul um, describes and defines an aspect of missionary work that very easily can get squeezed out of the picture. Everybody, I suppose, has an idea of what missionary work is. What I want to do today is, is look at what, at least in my opinion, I would call sort of the backbone, the backbone of New Testament missionary work. I want to talk about, about frontier missionary work. I want to talk about maybe the most costly maybe the most difficult, surely the most essential kind of outreach that's needed in the church today. I want to do something else. I would like, even though I'm basically speaking to an empty room here, I, I would like to call people from Cedarview Community Church into this kind of missionary work. 
I'd, I'd like as best I can to challenge you with the idea that whatever you happen to be doing with your life right now, however successful you may be, however content you may be, it just is at least possible that God wants to lift you out of where you are and what you are doing and place you in this kind of missionary work. So, so I've got three principles that I think are just absolutely uh, crucial for our understanding. One, Christ's death on the cross didn't just bring Paul forgiveness. It brought him a pattern for living his whole life. I get that in verses 8 through 12. He says, for I tell you that Christ, so now he's talking about Jesus. Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that's the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promise given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And then here he goes, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. It's quite an involved kind of a text. You've seen the bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And, And most of us, I think, we think of those bracelets in terms of relating to issues of personal holiness, decision making, responses to temptation. And that's good as far as it goes, but Paul thought of that question in terms of what he was going to do with his life. What would Jesus do? And then he quotes all those Old Testament passages. Paul says Christ's coming wasn't an accident. God didn't just sort of wake up one morning and decide he was going to do something nice for mankind. Paul says Jesus came to fulfill a promise. Verse 8, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. What promises? Well, you can actually read the promise. It's in Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Those are God's words to Abraham. I'm going to bless the whole earth, all the peoples through your seed. I'm going to do something that will be specifically geared to reach beyond you and beyond your people to bless the world. That's why pictorially God calls him out of his homeland. Then in verse 9, Paul goes on to affirm that God's whole purpose in this world is to reach the unreached. His goal is the Gentiles, that's the pagans, that's outside the covenant might glorify God for his mercy as it is written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Now, this is obviously a very important thought to Paul because he almost gets monotonous piling up Old Testament proof texts on top of each other 
just to say that the mission of Jesus is to reach all the peoples, all the nations for the glory of God. And look what he does. I mean, in verse 9, he quotes Psalm 1850, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. In verse 10, Paul quotes Deuteronomy 32.43, Rejoice, O Gentiles, nations, some translations, with his people. Verse 11, he quotes Psalm 117, verse 1, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. Then in verse 12, finally, he quotes Isaiah 11.10, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. So here's what we see. Paul, what are you doing? Well, here's what we see in these passages. God's plan, his mission, is to be glorified for his mercy by all the peoples of the earth. That's the goal. Not just the Jewish people, not just the people of the Old Covenant, not just the religious people, not just the easy-to-reach people. So, so God wants to be glorified for his mercy among all the nations and all the peoples of the earth. And so here's what all this meant for Paul. Paul saw his life picking up where Jesus left off. If he was Jesus' servant, that's how Paul describes himself, then he must continue to do Jesus' work. So Paul saw his assignment flowing out of what God had already demonstrated of his own heart's desire for the world in which Paul lived. So Jesus didn't just bring Paul forgiveness, he brought Paul a pattern for living. Point number two, principle number two. If reaching the nations was Christ's purpose, Paul was pretty gripped by the fact that it had to be his purpose as well. I've already read Paul's words in 15, 18 to 24. There are three statements, three statements in those verses that, that really uh, show the stunning impact that, that the life of Jesus and his spirit had on the thinking of the Apostle Paul. Statement number one is in 19b of Romans 15. So that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Don't, don't just brush past those words too quickly because they're really pretty amazing. In, in, less, in less than 23 years, Paul had single-handedly taken the gospel from Jerusalem in the southern end of Palestine to the land that connects northern Greece and northern Italy. 23 years, Paul. So he had preached the gospel in every area of the entire eastern Mediterranean. He could actually say, he does say, I have covered this whole area. There are no new areas for me to reach. My work here is finished. 23 years. Now, not everyone was saved in those areas. There was still a lot of work for the churches to do. There would, there would still be the need for evangelism and teaching and discipleship, but that's not what we're talking about right here. We're talking about frontier missions, the unreached. We're talking about getting to the unreached people groups of the world. 
Never let anyone tell you that the job of reaching the unreached people groups is finished. It's not. It's not finished. John Piper estimates that there are still 1.9 billion people in 10,000 different people groups that are still unreached with the gospel. When I say unreached peoples, I don't just mean unsaved peoples. There are far more than 1.9 billion unsaved people. There are unsaved people all over Newmarket. There are unsaved people right on our doorstep. No, when I say there are 1.9 billion people in 10,000 different people groups, I don't just mean these people are unsaved. I mean they have no significant exposure to the message of Jesus Christ at all. They're still totally in the dark. They don't know about Jesus. They don't have a chance to know about Jesus. To my mind, that's the challenge that relatively comfortable North American churches have to keep sort of lighting, burning all over again in their routines. I look at our church. I mean, our church programs are truly important. They're essential. But we need to be honest enough to say all of our church programs combined are important, but not enough. All of our church programs combined are not the entire assignment of Cedarview Community Church, not by a long shot. There are at least 40 churches right in the Newmarket area. Let let this next sentence register. There are more Christians attending our church before, before COVID. More Christians attending Cedarview Community Church on a Sunday morning than there are missionaries serving those 10,000 people groups that I mentioned a minute ago. Please, please think about that when you wonder, what would Jesus do? Remember that there are approximately 700 full-time Protestant missionaries for the more than 10,000 unreached people groups of the world. Now, now here's, here's my point in citing those words from Paul in verse 19, where he says, from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So if Paul single-handedly took the gospel through that entire region in 23 years, how will I justify my failure, our failure, should Jesus come soon to reach those 10,000 people groups when the church has had these instructions for 2,000 years? 23 years? 2,000 years. I said there there were uh, amazing statements in those verses. Here's the second one, B. It's in verse uh, verses 20 and 21. Look what Paul says. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. Those who have never heard will understand. I make it my ambition. Do you have aspirations? 
By that, I mean, do you, do you have ambitions that are more than just casual interests? Big things that you aspire to, goals. Like what, what gets your juices flowing? Paul says he aspired, he, he dreamed about, he planned out ways to take the gospel message to more new people. We know how we are. I know how I am. Many Christians spend more time planning their summer vacations than they spend planning to reach the unreached. It's just a fact that North American Christians, on average, spend far more money on their pets than they do on reaching the unreached. Paul says he existed. He aspired. He made it his ambition to go where the unreached people were. He didn't want just an easy assignment. He didn't want to be one of many working the same crowd. So I guess, you know, it humbly what I have to do, what we all have to do. You, you test your spiritual temperature. How, how, converted, how converted are my ambitions? Do I just drift from assignment to assignment? Do I float from job to job? Do I move from a smaller house to a bigger house, older car to a newer car? Is that what I do? Or, or is there some big driving vision behind my life? Do, 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 I, do I want the biggest, the biggest part of my life to be making the biggest dent I can possibly make for God in this world? Look at the third question, the statement from uh, these verses, Romans 15, 23 and 24. But now, since I no longer have any room to work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. I don't know about you. I read those and I think, Spain. How did Paul even know about Spain? I mean, a world with no TV, no internet, no jet aircraft. Where, where would Paul get a burden for Spain? I, I mean, I'm just guessing, but I'll tell you what I think happened. Paul did travel a lot by ship. He met a lot of people. And I think his knowledge of Spain could have come from his desire to take the gospel to new places, new peoples. I think he would keep his ear to the ground. He would listen to those sailors on those ships he would hear places mentioned. Then he would ask about those places. He would ask about the people there. He would ask about the religious background of the people in those places. He would ask how long would it take to get there. He was constantly trying to make a way against all odds. We know Paul didn't have a lot of money to speak of. We're pretty sure he wasn't really a strong person physically. He seemed to have at least those two strikes against him. But he had an ambition, a driving vision to get the gospel to people who hadn't heard yet. Not the people who already had a witness. Not the people who already had a chance. The people who had no light. The people who were unreached. The people who still didn't know who Jesus was and why he came. And, and you just couldn't stop them. Here we find Paul 
at least later on in his life. And here's something absolutely fabulous. His ambition isn't retirement. His ambition is there are unreached people in Spain. How can I get there? So we looked at principle number one. Number two, now the third principle. If you can't go to the unreached people, you must send someone else to take your place. This too is in our text. It's in verses 23 and 24. But now since I no longer have any room to work in these regions... And since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. And then this sentence. And to be helped on my journey there by you. To be helped on my journey there. Spain. These people weren't going to Spain. But Paul was. To be helped on my journey there by you. I mean, it does, doesn't it? It takes a special kind of commitment to go to the unreached people of the world. You have to leave your home. You have to forsake a lot of earthly comforts. Maybe like Paul, you leave aside marriage, family. Many times you have to learn a new language. You got to fundraise. You have to adapt to strange trends, strange lands, strange foods, strange customs. Rarely will you get rich. It's not easy going to unreached peoples. And it's not supposed to be easy to send people to unreached peoples either. Each makes a different sacrifice, but each needs to make an equal sacrifice. And so I learn I'm accountable for the reaching of those 1.9 billion unreached people in those 10,000 people groups. I'm, I'm accountable. We're accountable. If, if I don't go, then I need to make sure someone takes my place. You can go, you can send. Each takes a demanding sacrifice, but really those are the only two alternatives. <sighs> go. Send or disobey. And I'm just so thankful. I am so thankful for the missionary vision that God has placed at Cedarview Community Church. And I just hope that uh, November 15th, I know it's a horrible time to be doing this. It's also a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to show where our hearts are. Be praying about it. Let's see what God will do to reach the unreached peoples through our church on World Impact Sunday, November the 15th. Let's pray. What a great text. It's a challenging text, but it's not a condemning one. It, it opens the door to big living, kingdom life, lining up with the Spirit of Jesus, so I pray that we'll, we'll, we'll make every goal financially, and I pray that you'll call people. They'll be senders and goers to the unreached 
peoples of this world before Jesus comes back. In your name I pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Be praying about World Impact Sunday, church. God bless you. Stay in the word. Join us for our prayer time.